It has been a tumultuous week in our nation, hasn't it? A lot of violence, a lot of bloodshed, a lot of civil unrest and race relations in our country at the boiling point, it would seem. So I've been asking myself in the midst of all that's going on, where are those people who are quietly, without fanfare, behind the scenes, doing the good thing, the right thing? We never hear about them in the media. Their stories, their names are unknown. They are the Good Samaritans. I thought about this when I was preparing for the sermon and I want to share with you what was written a number of years ago by a commentator for National Public Radio named David Budbill. He wrote, I was walking along the street in Boston when down a side street came an old man in a wheelchair rolling right down the middle of the street and into three lanes of oncoming traffic on Huntington Avenue. Suddenly, cars were swerving everywhere, horns blaring, tires squealing, drivers trying to weave around the old man in his wheelchair. I knew I should go after him, but for some reason, I did not. I stood there and watched. Then an old car with a bad muffler pulled out of the snarl of cars and to the curb and a young man hopped out, boldly walked into the traffic and up to the old man. The young man was wearing a knit cap, a sports sweatshirt of some kind, high top sneakers. He took hold of the old man in his chair and gently wheeled him back to the curb, then tilted the chair up and onto the sidewalk. He bent over the old man and said something to him and the old man nodded his head. The young man patted the old man's shoulder and moved away toward his car. And then the young man turned around and he looked straight at me and he shouted, why didn't you help him? What's the matter with you? Why didn't you help him? I wanted to apologize, tell him I meant to, but it was too late. The young man was already in his car, driving away, and as I continued down Huntington Avenue that day, feeling embarrassed and ashamed, I thought about that young man, that young African-American man, driving along, talking to himself about how self-centered, indifferent, and cold white people can be, And I also thought about how many white people would step away in fear, cross the street if they saw that young man coming down the sidewalk toward them. How they would step away from this good Samaritan, this young African-American man who put himself at risk, who acted with compassion, and was at that moment something I was not a credit to his race, the human race. Haven't we all, every one of us, at some point in our lives been in David Budbill's shoes? Haven't we all not done the right thing by giving help when and where we should have and felt shame and regret because we did not. 
Today's gospel lesson is familiar to many of us, and because it's familiar, we may think, I got this. I got this. I understand this. But you see, Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan is a call to move from mere understanding to action, from knowing to doing. The two are not the same. The truth of Jesus' parable for our lives is that we discover who our neighbor is only when we discover that we are a neighbor. And so the message for this day, based on Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan, that gospel lesson is entitled, Who is my neighbor? May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. You know, this parable is unique to Luke's gospel. You don't find it in Matthew, it's not in Mark, it's not in John either, only in Luke, because Luke, you see, is concerned with the compassionate Christ, as this relates to the disenfranchised, to the marginalized, to the underdog, to people who were on the fringe in the world around us. But in order to understand the parable, we have to understand the context in which it was first spoken, which leads us to the lawyer who was trying to test Jesus, we're told. Interesting word there, test. Same word used in all of the gospel writers when Satan tested Jesus for 40 days in the wilderness testing him in order to tempt him with the intent to lead toward evil. Notice the lawyer's question, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What shall I do? Hmm. Can anyone do anything to inherit eternal life? Well, people may think so. They try and they try and they try, but how do you know if you've ever done enough good, if you've been good enough to inherit eternal life? You don't. You never know. You're left in a constant state of wondering, has it been enough? Jesus answers the lawyer's question anyway, and he refers him back to Torah, God's, uh, God's laws through Moses. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And the lawyer knew all of this already. Jesus here is quoting from the great creed of Judaism. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And then tacking on another passage from Torah, which we heard in the Old Testament lesson for today, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So could it be that love for God must be made known in love for neighbor? To have one is to have the other. 
And can it be that unless our love for God is making itself known in loving our neighbor that there's some disconnect, something is missing here? This isn't just a theoretical question. It is dealing with the core of our faith. And I believe this speaks to the issues of our day. What it means to be in relationship with the people around us and what it means to love our neighbor. This must lead to how we live, how we conduct ourselves, how we interact with one another in daily life. The lawyer already knew this, or he thought he knew it. The answer that Jesus gave him from Torah, but you see, it wasn't good enough. The lawyer wanted to save face. He wanted to justify himself. He's looking for a theoretical definition of neighbor that would conform to his preconceived definition. Instead, Jesus gave him a parable that leads him to answer his own question. And who is my neighbor? So Jerusalem is 2,500 feet, give or take, above sea level. Jericho, give or take, 1,000 feet below sea level. And this huge descent is in the span of, give or take, about 20 miles. That's a huge drop. And in that distance, this road from Jerusalem to Jericho is a windy, twisty road marked with boulders and caves and rock ledges. Perfect place for robbers to hang out and wait for their next victim. Lone Traveler was an easy mark for the robbers who took everything he had, even his clothes, beat him up, leaving him for dead along the side of the road. I want to share with you three philosophies for life which are found here in this parable. The first of which is embodied by the robbers. What's yours is mine and I'll take it. Which is exactly what they did. What's yours is mine and I'll take it. And then the two professional church workers come by, right? <laughs> the priest and the Levite, people you would expect to stop, to do the right thing, to step up and offer help where help is needed, but they don't. They don't. And instead, they pass by on the other side. Why? Too risky? Can't be bothered? Too busy? Their excuses are our excuses today as well. Don't we still use them? Sure we do. And these folks embody the second of those three life philosophies, which is what's mine is mine, and I'll keep it. And then the Samaritan comes along. Jews and Samaritans had a long-standing feud that went back centuries hated one another, went out of their way not to interact with one another. 
So if there is anyone who could be expected to pass by on the other side, it would be that Samaritan. But he didn't. We're told he had compassion. Something which the other two did not. And the Samaritan's compassion compelled him to do something, not just stand there and gawk to be a bystander, but to engage and do something, which is what he did. He used oil and wine to cleanse and disinfect and soften the man's wounds, putting him on his own donkey, took him to an inn. He cared for this injured stranger himself. And if more money was spent as he gave to the innkeeper, well, he'd reimburse that innkeeper next time he came around. So he interrupted whatever it was he was doing. He stopped what he had planned for that day, and he tended to the situation that was before him. This is what it's like when God calls us to do good. It may not be on our agenda for that day. It may be inconvenient. It may be messy and risky. But what does God call us to do? And that leads us to the third of those three life philosophies, that of the Samaritan, which is what's mine is yours, and I'll share it. So what's your life philosophy? What's yours is mine, and I'll take it. What's mine is mine, and I'll keep it. Or what's mine is yours, and I'll share it. How we answer that question will determine to a great degree how we answer the other question, who is my neighbor? Truth be told, many of us have the same problem as that lawyer. We know, we know, but we don't always do. Notice what Jesus says to the lawyer after he answers the question put to him. Which of the three proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said correctly, the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus instructed the lawyer, you go and do likewise. Not just think about it, not just consider it, but do it. You see, we discover who our neighbor is when we discover that we are a neighbor. The one who had compassion, who showed mercy, is not just the Samaritan in the parable, but the Lord Jesus himself. That compassion was, and it is, for you and for me, people who know but don't always do. Even as we confess together at the beginning of the service, we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. 
the compassion of Jesus led to action. To the mercy of all mercies, when Jesus proved neighbor to us all and did the ultimate good by dying on the cross. He loved us even unto death, paying the penalty we rightly deserved because of our sin and disobedience. And now, now he calls us to new life, life rooted in his own life of compassion and mercy, a life that doesn't ask, hey, who is my neighbor? But a life that loves that neighbor as Christ has loved us. God help us to do this. For Jesus' sake, amen.